Have you ever said, that's it, I'm starting to live my life on my own terms? What does it mean, really? Why does it even matter? And where should we start? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer this and many more questions. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D, and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Tribe Show. We have all heard the phrase, you have to live your life on your own terms. But what does it mean, really? If there was one word that people think of when they hear the sentence, live a life on your own terms, that word has to be freedom. Freedom to live your life as you desire, rather than having your life dictated by others. And yet, succumbing to the pressure of everyday life is easy. Creating a life that's lived on your own terms, well, that's trickier. So today we want to explore this topic, understand what creating a life on our own terms truly means, where we can start from, and how we can do it to avoid regrets later in life. And we explored this fascinating topic in a conversation with Tashina King. Tashina is a, an internationally recognized top instructor in the performance space, with over 10 years of experience supporting and coaching women from all over the world. She understands just how vital it is to look at the old woman when it comes to the goals and desires each woman has. It's crucial to nurture and transform the foundation upon which those goals and desires are rooted in, so they may be reached with ease, confidence and joy. But she understands the demands of being a woman. She has owned her own business since 2008, has toured over 13 countries as a coach and professional dancer, while being married and having a two-year-old son. Through her tours and coaching practice, she has coached over 8,000 people throughout the world on self-worth, confidence, and taking ownership of their lives. Hi, Tashina. Welcome, welcome to the Forgiven Trade Show. And thank you so much for taking the time today to be with us. I'm really excited to start with this topic. Me too. I'm ready to jump in. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, before going into that, I would like to start with you, Ashley, and learn a little bit more about you. And in particular, what brought you to talk about this, uh, this topic? Because you started as a, a dancer, uh, I believe, and a performer. And, and then you went into, into coaching on uh, confidence, self-worth. What brought you there? Well, it was my own journey through exactly what we're going to talk about, which was creating a life on my own terms. So coming into this life, really, my mom thinks since the moment I was born, but it was really at two and a half years old. I asked my mom to put me into dance classes because I just loved movement and music and expressing. And so I danced since two and a half up to now, and I'm 33. And it was through my creation of my dance career that I struggled with my own confidence. I struggled with, even though I was surface level, creating a life on my own terms, I wasn't at a deeper level. And so it was my own journey of having to navigate what it really meant to create a life on my own terms 
to really experience the life that I had really dreamed about since I was two and a half because my one focus and vision since starting those classes as a toddler was to be a professional dancer. Everything I did after that point was to support that professional career. And it was after hardships and struggle and literally kind of moments from walking away from that lifelong dream and even more than a lifelong dream, but more of what I consider to be like my soul calling. Like I really felt like my soul was called to dance. And that's part of what my purpose was here was to be a dancer and to perform and to teach. I was ready to walk away from all of that because it wasn't happening that it led me into exploring my own confidence, my own self-worth to really shifting that at the foundational level, which is actually within the subconscious mind. And once I really started doing my own deep inner work, my outward life really started to change. And I started to get hired internationally. I started to do really well in my competitions. And when I was able to be hired more and travel more and see that it wasn't me, it wasn't just me navigating these challenges, every other person I came across, no matter where in the world, no matter their background, their religion, their race, their story, they were many experiencing various levels of low self-worth, low confidence, scared to share their creative ideas with the world and whatever that may be, a hobby or in their career or in their parenting or in relationships. And so it was through my own work really experiencing that transformation. I started to share that set of processes with the students I was working with internationally. And it just led to this incredible experience of not just coaching dance, but coaching, you know, aspects of life that we all need support with, again, no matter where we come from. That's a beautiful journey. And in fact, I want to continue on that exactly, starting with what does it mean to live a life on, on our own terms? Because I mentioned at the beginning the word freedom, and very often we just think about, yeah, I can, I can go, I can uh, travel, I can uh, uh, spend time where I want, when I want, with whom I want. But living a life in, in our own terms, from what you are saying, seems to be something a little bit deeper than the chance freedom. Well, to me, it is absolute, complete freedom from others' beliefs and others' views on what that should look like for you. So the deeper part of my own personal story is at the surface level, let's just say, I was living a life on my own terms. I decided the career I wanted. I, after high school, moved to California to join a performing arts company where I toured with them and we worked and taught at-risk youth in various parts of Europe. And I was living my life on my own terms in that capacity. After that, I transitioned into a form of partner dancing called West Coast Swing. Again, from the outside view, I was living life on my own terms. But in both my performing arts company and at the beginning stages of dancing uh, this form of partner dance, I continuously kept meeting challenge after challenge, self-sabotage after self-sabotage. It was like there was a glass wall in front of me and I could see what was on the other side. I knew I had what it took to reach that dream and to live that type of life, but I could not seem to break through of it. So it was at really the moment I was about to walk away, like I said, from this life calling, this dream of mine, that I had a conversation with my mom, who at the time was doing clinical hypnotherapy and another form of working um, in personal development. And I remembered that at about the age of 12, I left my original dance studio because my parents were getting a divorce at that time. And the mentor that I had learned from, from the age of two and a half to 12, told me I would never amount to anything as a dancer. And it was upon that realization that I realized I actually wasn't living life on my own terms. 
I wasn't living life based on my own beliefs that I had chosen. Because what had happened when that mentor made that comment, I had no clue how hard it hit me. I had no clue that more or less I had absorbed that into every essence of my body, my being, my actions, my thoughts, that I was actually living her thought, her belief. Because everything I did, like I mentioned, a little self-sabotage here, not taking a risk to audition for a particular role. I was living life on her terms, on her beliefs about what she thought was possible for me or about what she thought I was worthy of having. So to me, living life on your own terms is not just about having the job you want or being with the partner that you want or having as many kids as you want or starting your business or not starting your business. To me, living a life on your own terms is about really identifying whose beliefs are you living from. And so for me, I had to identify, I don't want to live my life from her belief. I want to live my life from a more empowered place of knowing I am worthy of reaching success as a solo independent woman who, cho- who has chosen dance as a career path. So for me, it was a very one-on-one mentor to mentee aspect that I was living her life for a while. But there's also the concepts of cultural beliefs, societal beliefs, you know, in the field of being an artist, like a dancer is, you know, there's the long-term saying of, you know, art isn't a reasonable career path or the starving artist mentality, right? So it depends on where a person is in their life to really decide and look at what beliefs am I living my life from? Are those ones that I have consciously chosen that I know are empowering? Or are they a set of beliefs, views, and perspectives that I just more or less absorbed throughout my childhood into adulthood that I'm living life from, that are limiting me from creating the life that I really want? So that, to me, is really what living a life on your own terms is all about. It's getting rid of uh, of that programming that we have as, uh, as children, which is very, very difficult to do. So if you had to give a sort of a list of symptoms or uh, elements that we should really look at and pay attention to that may suggest that we are living a life that someone else has decided for us. What would you say? I would say anything that is chronic unhappiness, that is chronic non-fulfillment. Right. There's going to be times in life that there's challenges and there's opportunities for growth. So I'm not talking about those individual circumstances. I'm encouraging a person to take more of a bird's eye view and really zoom out and look at their life and ask, is this the life that I really want to be living? If the answer is no, then identify what beliefs are you living your life from? I'm not good enough. Everything has to be perfect in order for me to be loved. Um, I'm only worthy if I have X, Y, Z title in my career. You know, there can be all sorts of things. Money, I can only be financially successful if I hit, you know, X dollar amount in salary a year. You know, if that pressure, that constant pressure, that constant sense of not being fulfilled, unhappiness, Um, drudgery. It can literally be anything for anyone, Um, but a sense that you're not really in alignment. And sometimes that can take a while for a person to finesse and understand that those just aren't normal sensations of life. I think as a society, we've more or less normalized it's okay to be unhappy with our lives. And we're dealt a, a hand of cards and whatever we're dealt is what we have to live with. But no, you don't. You have the opportunity at any given time to say, I want a different life and know that you are capable of creating a life if you're willing to do that deeper work of identifying whose beliefs are you living or society's viewpoints or cultural or religious or familial um, beliefs, perspectives on the world. 
and consciously choosing, I want something different and then identifying what do you want instead? What do you want to live life from instead? And then doing work that accesses the subconscious mind to literally reprogram or rewire the brain to start living life from a different blueprint, basically. That's a, an, interesting, an interesting point. Doing that work can sometimes be difficult or at the very least tricky because it's, uh, it's very demanding in terms of uh, energy, in terms of effort. And life sometimes happens and, you know, we say, okay, you know what, perhaps the life I'm, I'm living is not that bad. So in order to continue on that journey of mm -hmm. growth and, and learning, perhaps we really need to understand what are the costs of not living the life that was meant for us, but someone else's life. So well, based on your experience and uh, the experience of uh, the many people you, you have coached, what would be really the cost for someone not living a life that is really designed for them? The cost looks like many different things for many people. Um, oftentimes, because I ask that very question when I'm on a strategy call with new clients is what is this? What is not creating a life on your own terms costing you? And the answers vary from true happiness, true fulfillment, healthy relationships, meaningful relationships that have depth to them. The cost can be time freedom. It could be money freedom. Overall, the consensus is a quality of life. Quality of life and joy and a sense of being present in the moment. We, you know, we tend to live life in the past or thinking about what's coming up ahead of us and we miss the present moment. And if you've ever spoken to anyone who's near the end of their days listening to them, it's fascinating to hear, you know, did they really stay present to what was happening in each moment of their life? Or were they always chasing something in the future or living in the past that kept them from really fully living what it is that they could have been living? So health is often a big one when we're under a constant stress, constant um, unhappiness, it releases a whole other set of chemicals and hormones in our body that then our body has to work through and work with, you know, and that can show up in many different ways in our health. It could just be low energy, fatigue, clouded mind, you know, so lack of sleep, just no energy to play with kids or grandkids. So quality of life, however that looks to each and every person, that's what I tend to find is the most frequent answer as the cost of not really living a life on your own terms. Would you say that in order to really, truly go through that process and that journey of uh, discovering or self-discovering, um, there are specific qualities or strengths that we need to cultivate? Mm -hmm. There's a few. I think the first step is being open to look at those parts of ourselves that may not be fun to look at at first. You know, it can feel sometimes dark and scary for people to look at those more shadow, darker aspects of ourselves to acknowledge and be vulnerable with ourselves that maybe we don't really feel we're worthy of love. Maybe we really feel like we're not good enough to fill in the blank. And just that self-acknowledgement is a really important strength to start building, just like a muscle. You want to start building the muscle of openness and honesty with yourself and the muscle of self-reflection. Oftentimes, I think it's hard for people to do that because they feel like, what's the use? What am I going to do once I have that information? And... For me, the answer that I found to be most effective was a particular way of working with the subconscious mind, knowing that once I did identify a belief or perspective, a viewpoint of life that wasn't serving me to my fullest, not just settling. So that was another thing you said ago, like we don't have to settle. 
maybe life isn't that bad. Maybe there's nothing traumatic or wrong. And maybe you do live a good life. But I would love to invite you to consider, are you worthy of living a great life? A life that is thriving in every sense of the word, in every aspect. So even taking that sense of, my life is good, but what is an even more empowered way of living? Like truly maximizing your life. And what are the beliefs needed to create that sense of thriving and maximizing yourself in life? So identifying would be one of the tools or strengths that I would encourage a person to harness and nurture. And then acting on it. So once you have that information, then you need to do something and act on it to rewire the subconscious to start living life from a new set of empowering beliefs. That's so interesting. I mean, being open to go through that process uh, is something major, right? Uh, we always have resistance in, in changing, resistance in pick up a new journey. So have you ever experienced through your coaching practice, for example, resistance in your uh, clients to to make that change and to make that leap uh, yeah. because at the beginning I, I suppose it's, it's very very tricky yes and one of the things that's fascinating for an individual to contemplate and start to wrap their minds around is that statement that change is hard in and of itself is a belief that we've chosen to live our life from change doesn't have to be hard Change can be fun, it can be easy, it can be energizing, it can be exciting. So that in and of itself is where I 90% of the times start working that very first session in my one-on-one -on -one clients with. Because everything we're gonna do past that point is about creating change. So in order to minimize resistance, we start with those foundational beliefs about change and how they view change in their life. We as humans like to live in what's comfortable and what we know. Oftentimes that unknown factor is what creates that resistance and the, the, um, the just dip the toe in approach before a person like really jumps head, you know, cannonball into the water of change. So when we're able to shift a person's perspective about change, there is a lot of resistance that is released and transformed so that we can then have a much more effective uh, working with the subconscious mind in regards to whatever it is their goals are on creating a life of their own terms. But yes, I've seen lots of people resist change where, they, where they'll say they want change, but they continue to just be comfortable in the pain and discomfort of what has been. And so at that point, it's the choice, whether they realize it's conscious or subconscious, but they're choosing to stay in that pain and discomfort rather than really letting go and trusting the process and fully moving forward in life. It reminds me of something that I heard, I believe from Lisa Nichols who said, becoming comfortable with discomfort. So accepting that in order to change, you have to abandon somehow uh, that comfort life that you are, you are living. So that's uh, uh, a fantastic advice already. Sometimes we decide that we need a change or perhaps we realize that we are not living the life that perhaps we were mentally. After something major happens in our life, we stop and we start reevaluating everything, all the decisions, everything that we went through. Uh, it could be um, a, a breakup, it could be a, a breakdown, it could be uh, children leaving home and uh, suddenly, you know, you have this uh, physical space to, to feel. And one of the resistance I can think of is perhaps I'm just too old. Perhaps it's too late for me to change everything. What would you say? Is, is it ever too late? No. I don't believe so. I've worked with young children and shifting their beliefs around. I had one client who was a 
baseball player in high school. And I worked with him around his beliefs of similar things, self-worth, being good enough to make the team. How did he, how would he handle if they didn't win a game? So I've worked with an individual around that. And I've worked with individuals who are in their 80s and, you know, towards the later years of life. And there has been incredible, beautiful transformation for both of those age ranges and everything in between. So no excuses. No excuses, unless you choose to continue to make the excuses and continue to live your life from those excuses. You're the only one that has the power to make the decision to do something different. And it does not matter the age. Fantastic. And on that note, when we decide that we are ready to leap and do that, make that change, then we are surrounded that people that may or may not understand why we want to change and why we want to create a, a different life. And sometimes we start from a life that, as you said, in your own case, in, uh, in on surface looks pretty good. It's the life you wanted, the life you designed for yourself. How can you explain that to others? And should we care about what they think? Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so many angles to this question. Um, I'll start with like attracts like. So if you've been in a place in your life where you complain about things a lot and you're miserable and you like the drama or you just, your life is dramatic, it's likely that you've attracted friends and people that approach life from a similar perspective. Or you're doing okay in life and you're pretty content. It's probably likely that you've also attracted a similar, let's just call it vibration, of people living from that same energy, if you want. When we make the choice to change and work on ourselves, we change our outlook on life, we change our, our vibes that we have, our energy, and sometimes that no longer resonates with the people that are in our life up to that point. So that is part of what you, any individual, has to consciously be aware of is, if I'm going to do this work, it might be that people don't understand this. It might be that I hang out less with a certain group of people because they just don't get it. But you have to ask yourself, am I committed to myself enough to show up for myself every single day and every single moment? Am I committed to making this change for my life so that I can really live life fully so that when I do get to the end of my days and I look back on my life, I can say, I did my absolute best and I lived life to the fullest, to the max, because of what I wanted, not from the beliefs and wants of other people. So it may be that your friend groups change. It may be that you and your spouse are no longer a good fit. That's happened with a client or two before. You know, that because they were so committed to their own personal growth, it's just their, their path and their partner's path were no longer parallel. It wasn't a bad thing. And we had to do some work around them coming to terms, you know, with accepting that it was okay for their paths to veer off and go different directions. But it really comes down to how committed are you to yourself and your life? You come into this life on your own and you go out of this life on your own. And you're the only one that can truly choose how to live life on your own terms. That's absolutely beautiful. And talking about that, if instead someone wants to support mm -hmm. uh, a loved one while doing some, such a journey, how can they do that? How can they support in a way that really helps them? The first recommendation I would say is if you're wanting to support someone else and their personal growth is ask that person, how would you like me to support you? How can I hold space for you to go through this self-exploration, self-reflection, and self-growth. Um, I've had clients who have asked their spouse to just gently point out when they're being hard on themselves, you know, to call it out in the moment in a loving way. I've had um, some dance students who I've worked with in the realm of confidence and creative creativity and sharing their creation on the dance floor. 
ask their partners to have some silly code word like bananas or popcorn and to make it a fun, lighthearted experience when the dance partner notices the individual saying, oh, that looks stupid or that was a dumb idea or whatever it might be that they are saying or they can tell their partner's getting really internal and starting to beat themselves up inside. The dance partner will go bananas or popcorn, you know, so finding like a code word, you know, that lightens the mood and lightens the, the atmosphere can sometimes be a nice way to just consciously become aware of it. Um, you know, if you're wanting to support someone in their self-growth and that person doesn't have a next step, you know, share with them this, this podcast, this approach, you know, if they want to connect with me or do some research online about personal growth or subconscious beliefs, you know, start to research ways that you feel called to work and hold space for that person and share with those people then what you're finding. When I was reading your bio, I read that you toured over 13 countries, if I remember correctly, while being married and uh, having a, a little uh, child. So I guess that you had a full support from your, your family. What meant it for you to have that support while you were living, you know, the life in, on your own terms? I am very blessed that I had two parents that really supported me in not going the traditional route of going to a four-year college after high school and um, going more a traditional career route. So that already was in place for me, which was very helpful. But like I said, even though they were supportive of that, I internally was living initially that career path from my mentor's beliefs about my viability as a professional dance dancer. Um, so when I started doing my own work about my beliefs of self-worth, I also started to look at my beliefs about a relationship, about my ability or capacity to be on the road traveling and be married. You know, oftentimes we have this black and white perspective. I can have this or I can have this. That was actually a theme that was coming up um, in my client sessions this week. A lot of my clients were like, I feel like I'm butting up against having one or the other, but this belief that I can't have both. And that's oftentimes because that's what we've been told growing up. That's what we've seen demonstrated to us growing up. So I had to do my own work around calling in a partner that A, understood the dance world that I was living my life in, who felt comfortable and confident in his own skin to have me going out teaching internationally, teaching a partner dance, you know? So I really had to work with my belief that I, I was worthy of having that type of man in my life, that type of strong relationship in my life, and I could have this career. Then when I got pregnant with my first son, I had to do more work about how can I balance relationship, career, and being a parent, being a mother. So I had to do a layer of work there. And my oldest son is three and a half now. And I just had a second little boy three months ago. So I've had to do more work <laughs> about my beliefs or about what I want my life to look like. And there's a lot of in the moment being like, oh, okay, this is happening. I don't like that this is what's occurring identifying as quickly as possible, what is the belief that's creating this challenge or frustration? What do I want instead? And then I immediately go through the process to work with that belief at a subconscious level. So for me at this point, it's pretty bam, bam, bam. I see what's not working. This is what I want instead. I do the subconscious work in that moment or maybe that night before I go to bed so that I can continue to maximize in each moment living a life on my own terms. And there's conscious decisions I have to make. There is only so much energy I have. There is only so much capacity I have. You know, so for my dance business, I've really scaled back because I don't want to be on the road 40 weekends a year. I want to be more present with my kids at home and what they're doing. You know, so I've made a conscious choice to pull back on that, but I still teach locally private lessons. I teach once a month for group classes. And I'm building and working with amazing clients all over the world in my mindset and confidence coaching career. 
So it's a matter of identifying the subconscious programming, consciously using your mind to determine how and where to allocate things, and having open and honest conversation with my husband or my parents who help support me with childcare two days a week. You know, so I'm having to use all faculties. We have all, every one of us has all of these tool sets in our tool belt. And oftentimes we're just utilizing one or two of them versus using all of them to work harmoniously to help us in creating a life on our own terms. I love what you're saying because uh, it's not just deciding how to design that life once for all. You adapt that design, that picture, uh, you know, according to the life you are living in that moment, according to the situation you are living in that moment. So reevaluating every single step of the way, uh, yeah. what you are, how you are do, uh, doing, how you are living, and what are the constraints uh, around you and what really would work for you in that moment. I love that. Yeah. Are there pitfalls that we might have and might jeopardize that journey when we decide finally to step in uh, a life in, on our own terms? Um, yes, there are many clients that I've worked with, once they've had the conscious realization that they're living life from a different set of beliefs that they didn't consciously choose, sometimes they can get down on themselves. Like, how could I have not seen that? Or, Or how did I not, you know, realize that? Like, why have I been living my life like this for so long? And they start to more or less kind of beat themselves up a little bit internally and, and judge themselves and get down on themselves. So that can be a pitfall. In any moment, though, and I have to tell myself this too, in any moment, we're doing the best we can with what we know and have at that time. You know, so at one time, Those beliefs may have served me or may have served my client with whatever it is that we're working from. But now with where they're headed in life, it's like they've outgrown a pair of clothes, right? They've outgrown those beliefs. They no longer fit. They no longer work for where you're going. So it's time to go try on some new clothes and build a different wardrobe of beliefs so that you can then, you know, have the beliefs to support you or protect you, if you will, in the life that you're, you're headed. So the downfall pitfall is not to get stuck in, you know, frustration and anger at yourself for living your life up to this point with those set of beliefs. I love that. It's, um, um, and I use here a, a word that for me is uh, absolutely um, critical and uh, uh, of meaning, which is basically self-forgiveness, is forgiving yourself for whatever it was and, uh, you know, it wasn't your fault, just go forward and yeah. make the most of, uh, of what you have, right? So talking about self-forgiveness or forgiveness in, in general, uh, as um, uh, I always say, for me, forgiveness is uh, about letting go everything that is not serving us anymore. Uh, in particular, all these uh, emotions, you know, these empowering emotions that we create uh, after, let's say, tricky situations. And it's never about the other person, it's always about ourselves. So whether we talk about forgiveness or self-forgiveness for me are really the same. What do you think about it? And is there any room for self-forgiveness when one has to uh, embrace life on their own terms? I think it can be an incredibly important aspect to embrace self-forgiveness on the road of self-development, personal development, healing even. Um, I worked with a client a few months ago who um, some pretty traumatic things had occurred in the romantic relationship and the concept of forgiveness came up and this particular individual was really challenged with that word because what the partner had done was some pretty cruel things, some physical abuse. And the client did not want to forgive that person because they felt that it was condoning or saying what they did was okay. 
And so in that particular or in any moment of forgiveness, it's not a, to me about um, saying the behavior of the other person or maybe even the behavior of yourself was okay. But it's about taking the energetic component of um, punishment, whether it's punishment to the other person or punishment to yourself and the stress that was associated with the event and disconnecting from the stress of it at a subconscious level and removing the power or letting go of the power that the situation or the person over you. I couldn't have said better. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's my, my view, my feel on forgiveness. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. It's, uh, it's not about uh, accepting what happened. It's not about condoning. Um, it, it's not about saying, you know, uh, it, it's something like in, in that case, really terrible happened, that that person doesn't have to go um, and be sort of legally persecuted, for example, uh, or, uh, you know, punished. But it, it's really getting uh, that level of separation and uh, not being affected emotionally from uh, that situation and giving yourself permission to, to move forward. So thank wow. you, Maria. I really appreciate that. Dashian, I believe that you work mainly with women. Do I understand correctly? Mainly with women, yeah. But I have had some amazing uh, male clients and it's I, I think there's so much beauty in working with both female and male. Um, but yeah, predominantly I do work with women. So perfect. I, I, I'm curious to know if there is uh, some sort of gender bias, perhaps when it comes to uh, the thoughts that we have around living a life on our own terms. Uh, when it comes to men, perhaps we are a little bit more uh, permissive, you know, things can, can be done and, and men can go and live where they want, they can travel the world. For a woman, there is more this... Uh, uh, idea culturally that we are we have families and we have to take care of others. Uh, have you noticed uh, some of these limiting beliefs in uh, in some of the clients that you had? Yes, um, they show up differently, but I would say they're present for both men and women that I've worked with. Um, perfectionism is a very frequent topic that I work with clients on. Um, and perfection and sh perfectionism shows up differently for women than it does for men most of the time. But it, sometimes it can be similar. Um, in men that I've worked with, one of the ways perfectionism has shown up is to be the perfect guy or to be a man, to be manly, is not to show emotion to be the tough guy, you know, to um, get over it really quick. That's kind of been like a generational, I think, perception of being a man. And so oftentimes the men that I've worked with have been very emotionally shut down, both with uh, people in their life and with themselves. But there's this inner sense of discord and friction that's there. So that friction is what has caused them to start researching, you know, ways of working through that discord internally. Perfectionism for women oh, can show it can show up in so many ways too. It can, you know, for me, and it was having the house be clean every night before I go to bed. Like that was one way that perfectionism showed up for me in my household life. Um, Perfectionism in my business at first was not putting like a launch of a, a service or a group coaching or something out there until it was completely finished. Every detail was polished and had the most beautiful landing pages and sales page. Like it had to look perfect before I would put it out there. And it really stifled me. I've had clients who have a, an idea or concept for their business or for their, their team, their career. And when they go to the board meeting, unless again, every detail is 
drawn out perfectly in their mind. They won't take the opportunity or the risk to speak up and share the initial concept, you know, so the opportunity passes them by, right? So perfectionism can look many different ways for many different people, male or female, young or old. Um, But perfectionism really, especially with social media these days, has a very heightened pressure on individuals that I work with them on. Absolutely. And did you find also the language different between men and women uh, Mm -hmm. using different words and uh, different expressions? Maybe a few subtle differences, but pretty much when we get down to the core of it with male or female, young or old, a lot of it is this feeling that they're not good enough or not being worthy enough. So they feel the pressure to be perfect in whatever it is in order to prove that they are good enough, in order to show that they are worthy of fill in the blank. Is that need of uh, external validation that uh, yes. we, yeah. we continue to seek all our lives? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I can see a, a lot of uh, that sort of pattern uh, in, in talking with, with people as well. Dashina, coming back to you, what are you working on? I mean, you just mentioned you had a baby three months ago, so uh, now I guess you are very much enjoying uh, the company of this uh, uh, new baby, but what, what is in, uh, in the plan? And uh, I know that, as you said before, you rescale a little your, your business to enjoy family a little bit more. But Yeah, I've definitely altered the immediate workings of my business to be present because I know this time is very fleeting. Um, As far as what's on the horizon for me with my business is to really, I really want to be working with individuals on honoring and living what they feel is their soul calling. Wow, that is a very, very beautiful plan. Uh, That's where I want to lean into further and help them do that via tapping into their creative expression, their creative genius. However that shows up in their life, their business, their relationships, their parenting, their finances. So I'm really feeling called to support people, honor what they feel is their heart's calling, their soul purpose or their soul passion, and tapping into their unique self-expression in whatever it is they feel called to do. That's absolutely beautiful. So if uh, our listeners would like to know a little bit more about you and perhaps get in touch with you, where they can find you? Yeah, I have a website and it's Empowered to Greatness. And it's the number two um, in the website, EmpoweredToGreatness.com. I'm also on Instagram at Transform with Tashina. And I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook as well, but Instagram and website would probably be the quickest ways to find me. And you can contact me through those avenues. Fantastic. And as always, we will put the links in the description of today's episode so everyone can go and find you on the other side. Yeah. And I would just love to share that if this topic or a concept of perfectionism is something that anyone is feeling challenged by or frustrated with, I do have a free offer of my Break the Perfectionist Mindset Kit. So we can include that in the link as well um, as a way to just get a little bit more information on this, start to develop a game plan on how to work through those perfectionist tendencies in your life and how to then truly transform them at the foundational level. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So before going, one final question. If there was one take-home message that you would love everybody to remember from this conversation, what that would be? My hope that if anyone leaves this time together is the thought and knowing that every single person is and can be an active co-creator of their life. And it's a matter of choosing how you're going to create your life. Are you going to continue to create a life that is settling? Are you going to continue to create a life that you stay comfortable in the discomfort or pain or drama or whatever it is? Or 
are you going to choose to live a life and actively create something that fulfills you at every level of your being? Are you going to choose to live a life and create a life on your own terms that honors your heart and your calling in life? And you get to choose that. Wow, that's absolutely beautiful. Well, I hope that this episode has provided insights and inspiration how we can start living a life on our own terms if we have the courage to persuade. And if it gets complicated, I hope this consideration from Cassidy Calloway can help you. She said, remember, if you keep living your life on your terms, people can mock you all they want, but they will respect you in the end. Dashina, thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing your story and your positive message and your mission with us. Thank you so much, Rosana. Thank you. Well, we would love to know what you think about this topic. Are you living a life that someone else has designed for you or on your own terms? Let us know. Get in touch. And also, don't forget to check Tashina's website and to follow her on social media. As always, you will find all the links in the description of today's episode. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.